you give God praise for all that testimony? Amen. We're going to go ahead and receive our morning, our second offering for fire safety. So if our ushers will come forward, we're going to receive that special offering. You know, we didn't touch base on it in our production meeting. Do we have an update this week for the fire safety? Anybody know real quick? Because I don't think we had discussed it. So it's okay if we don't, we'll get it to you next week. But God is doing some good things. Last week, another $9,000 came in for fire safety, everybody. So let's go ahead and give God praise every step of the way. Every step of the way. And in case you didn't realize it, the chili, um, cook the chili meals afterwards, which will include also hot dogs, you can put chili on top, and Cheeto, uh, Frito chili pies, which are like walking taco kind of things. Um, all those proceeds, they're actually donations towards fire safety as well. So you'll not only be feeding your family, but you're helping us get that much closer to our goal of $400,000 to be matched with the other 400,000 to see this $800,000 goal met. And God is doing it. Hey guys, we're almost halfway there. We're almost to $200,000 and we've only been receiving offerings for about five weeks. Isn't that awesome? You guys, let's celebrate that. That's huge. That's huge. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray over these offerings. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We sang it in the song just a little bit ago. You've moved the mountain, and I believe you're going to do it again. And I believe anytime a mountain faces this church, you're going to do it again because it's your plan, it's your purpose, it's your will. And so, God, we come to agreement with that. I pray each of us are faithful to do what you've told us to do for this in particular assignment. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say a big amen. Amen. All right, are you ready for the word today? Awesome. We're going to talk today about prayer. We're in a house of prayer series. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I provide notes for you in the Calvary Orlando app if you've never utilized those, but I do encourage you to write notes on the side. God will give you more. I'll give you a bunch of scripture today. I encourage you to go back this week, look it over. Today we're going to talk about the throne of grace. Say throne of grace. The throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Actually, I want to go up just a little bit because I'll mention it later in the message as well, but we'll kind of give this as our platform. Verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly, say boldly, to the throne of grace. The New Living says, our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Grace to help us when we need it most. We're going to talk today about entering that throne of grace. Prayer is not a religious activity. Every religion of the world pretty much has some form of prayer. But I want us to know today that for us, the body of Christ, prayer is not religious tradition or religious activity. For us, prayer is relational. It's time with our Father and we're His children. And so we get to hear from Him. He gets to encourage us. He speaks into our identity. We get to share the burdens that are on our heart. But prayer is also for us a legal activity. So it's not just a relational activity, but it's a legal activity between our King and His citizens. You are His citizens citizens of the kingdom of God. And as citizens, you have rights and privileges. There is a constitution and bylaws. It's the New Testament. And so we not only pray to fellowship with God and have relationship with God, it's also a very dynamic conversation. We're getting things done. Business is taking place. We are called in to the presence of the king to do business in his government as one of his citizens, and not only a citizen in his government, but one of his children, amen, in that government. So you're not just any citizen, you're one of his own children 
as a citizen in that government. So while we're talking about prayer, let's understand that prayer is the approach of an individual, you or myself, helped by the Holy Spirit into the throne of God. I want us to catch this vision today. God gave me a beautiful picture that I hope really illustrates it for you. God gave us an imagination for a reason. Not to imagine all the bad things that can happen. You know, your imagination can run away with you. You can imagine all the bad things that can happen. For some of us, our imagination, the devil takes over it and imagines all kinds of ways to get in trouble and all kinds of ways to sin. But you know, God gave us an imagination, I believe, so that we could see things that he can do that are beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. That God gave us an imagination that he could partner with it to help us see things that don't exist yet. Amen. Things that we have not yet experienced. And I'm hoping today that you'll use that imagination and get this image, this illustration of a reality when it comes to prayer. Prayer is you, the child of God, you, the individual, being helped by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit's help in this prayer activity. Because it's not just a physical activity. Next week I'll talk about the spiritual side of prayer. But I want us to understand something. That prayer is stepping out of the natural into the spirit realm. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do this. And to do business. To do work. To exchange in government decrees and laws and proclamations and promises. And bring those things into the natural realm. We need the help of the Holy Spirit when we pray. We don't just pray in our physical flesh. Our spirit picks up with the Holy Spirit and he ushers us in to the throne of grace. Amen. We approach the throne by the blood of Jesus. We approach the throne by the blood of Jesus. We cannot approach the throne without the blood. We cannot approach the throne without the blood. You cannot go around Jesus into the throne room. That way has been made available because of Jesus. There are people who are praying in their different religions around the world, but like we keep saying, it's not about the activity of prayer, it's who we're praying to. It's who's on the other side of that prayer. And our connection to the God on the other side of that prayer has been made available because of the blood of Jesus. You know, sometimes people want favors from God, but they don't want his son. They don't want the Savior. They don't want to come through the cross. But there is no way to get to God without Jesus. There's no way to get to the throne of grace without Jesus. The blood of Jesus prepares us, washes us, but also then gives us that access. Which is wonderful because that means you didn't earn access into the throne of grace. It's the blood of Jesus which cries out that you belong there, that you are made holy, that you are clean, that you are in right standing. So then we're not sitting there saying it's on our shoulders. We are given access to God into the throne of grace by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Without Jesus, you have no audience in the throne room. Even though you may go through motions of prayer like all these religions of the world, you have no access to the throne room without the blood of Jesus. And so I want to make sure today before we get to the end of this service that you have an opportunity to receive Jesus and to receive the forgiveness of sin, to be covered in his blood so that you might be cleansed and have access into the throne of grace. The mercy seat, write this in your notes, the mercy seat of God is a throne. The mercy seat of God is a throne. That's important. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. <laughs> Let's go. Matthew chapter 6. I jumped ahead in my notes. That's why I giggled at myself. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be talking about that right now. Matthew chapter 6. Let's backtrack this thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Let's talk about what Jesus taught us about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're going to pause today. A couple key factors in that prayer. Number one, Jesus taught us to pray our Father. Say our Father. Talking about being comfortable with the Father. 
having the, the freedom as a child to go into his presence, to be able to talk to him, to share with him. Jesus is saying, when you, his child, go in and pray, pray like this, our Father. He's given you permission to call him Father. He's the King of the universe. He's God Almighty. Amen? But Jesus is saying, when you pray, have this bit of comfort, have this bit of familiarity with you that you can walk in and have a conversation with him, that he is not only the king, he's not only God Almighty, he is your father. He wants you to be with him and he wants to be with you. So there is this desire for familiar, but then it goes on to say in heaven. So he's our father who art in heaven. Why is that important? Because when we put our focus that he is in heaven and we're on the earth. We know that he is powerful. His throne is above the earth. It pre-existed the earth and all of its problems. His throne is in the realm of God and the possibilities of God. And so we have this context that he's our father, but he's in heaven and he's above and beyond whatever it is that's happening here on the earth. There's a greatness to him. There's a mightiness to him and his realm of where he comes from and his realm created this realm. So it supersedes it. Are you understanding me today? So our father in heaven, holy is your name. Even though we're familiar and comfortable with God, may we never lose the reverence for who he is that he is holy. So Jesus is giving us this beautiful picture of how to pray that there needs to be a sense of freedom and familiarity. God, you're my father. God, I'm your child. God, you're in heaven above. You sit on the throne of the universe. You're greater than whatever I'm going through. From your realm, you created everything that we see here in this realm, and you can break through this realm because of my prayer. I'm familiar, I'm comfortable, but at the same time, I know that you're still holy, you're still worthy, and I reverence who you are. I honor who you are. You know, God is not just my buddy. God is not, I don't casually just hang out. He's still the God of the universe. And he's still holy, amen, and should be reverenced, should be worshiped. Yes, we should be comfortable, but may we always have this sense of awe as well. I think sometimes our culture gets so casual with everything that we can almost become too casual with God and by doing that we shrink him down to who we are but yet he's still God Almighty he wants to walk with you he wants to hold you and carry you but he is bigger he is mighty he's the mighty God amen your kingdom come your kingdom come he's our father he's holy your kingdom he is the king. He is the king. And he has a kingdom. So even though we say he's our father, God our father, he's still the king. Your father is a king. Somebody say amen. amen. And you're his child. And you are royal. And you have access. Amen. But he is a king. And then we pray. It's our responsibility, which Jesus gives us this responsibility and says, we have to pray. His will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, in heaven where his throne is, in heaven where the king is. We have a responsibility to pray to bring that will from the heaven realm, from God's realm into this realm. We talked about that for weeks now from Genesis 1 and 2 when God said, let us make man in our image, let them have dominion. And so when God gave man dominion and he gave us a physical body, these physical bodies give us access into this realm. And God, throughout the rest of the Bible, partners with us to accomplish his will. The devil needs you to accomplish the devil's will. And God requires partnership with you to accomplish his will. It's the way he set it up. The Bible tells us in Psalms that the highest heavens belong to God and the earth he's given to men. That's why there's this partnership where we have to stand in the gap. We become the bridge between these two realms. Between his throne where our father, our father is, who is the king in heaven... And then we pray his will be done in the earth. Are you understanding this? That's our responsibility. It's not only our privilege, it's our responsibility. Your will be done on the earth. We must do business with the king in order to bring his will into the earth. We must do business. We must go boldly into the palace 
of the universe into the throne of grace to speak to our Father who is God, who is holy, who is the King. We need to go into that throne of grace and we need to ask great things. We become that bridge into this realm. Amen. The mercy seat, sorry. I'm struggling with my iPad today, everybody. Have you ever had a technology problem? Can you give me a little grace for that? <laughs> now, let's talk about the mercy seat is a throne. We should be bold when we go in, but we should also be grateful for this place of undeserved privilege where which we now stand. The Bible tells us that we can go boldly into the throne of grace. We read it in the beginning, come boldly into the throne of grace, but also may we remain grateful because we are standing in a place of undeserved privilege. We get to go into the throne room of God. We get to stand in a place that we did not earn, that Jesus Christ paid for us to go and have access to the King of the universe. Romans chapter five, verse two, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Do we understand the privilege we have to access the throne room of God? The throne room of God. We get to go in there by the blood of Jesus. We are standing in two realms. This was the picture that I really wanted to talk to us about today. The throne room of grace, the throne of grace, and then whatever current situation or reality that we're in. We get to go into the throne of grace when we pray. We have access into the throne room of God when we pray. You come into your room in your house, you close the door, and you make your requests known to God. And maybe you're in a desperate place. You're in a place of God, our family needs so much. There's so much hurt going on in our family. God, there's so many pains and divisiveness and things. I, we need a miracle. Or God, we have financial situations and problems. Or maybe there's a healing or something that needs to take place. Somebody is sick in your family. And, and what I felt the Lord wanted me to share with you today, and if this is the one thing you get out of this, then it would be all worth it. That when you're praying in your bedroom and you're pouring your heart out before God, what God really wants you to see is that you're not in your bedroom alone. You're actually in the throne room. You think you're in your bedroom, but you're actually kneeling before the throne of grace. Let me say it another way. You may be in a prison cell because you were arrested for preaching the gospel. Are you understanding me? You may feel like you're, you know, subjected to the guards and they've shut you in, they've closed every door, they have you bound and chained, like the Apostle Paul, like Silas. Are you hearing me now? And they think they have you in prison, but you're not in that prison. When you begin to pray, when you begin to worship, you transcend that prison and you're actually in the throne of grace and you're freer than you've ever been. And you are more powerful than any other force in the universe because you have access to your father who is a king and you're in his throne of grace. No prison door, no chains, no closed doors can keep you out of the throne room of the universe, the throne of God and his grace. Are you understanding that? It was really important today because sometimes when you're praying and you're in the hospital and you think, I'm in this hospital bed. No, you're not. You're at the, you're at the throne of grace. You're not in the hospital bed. You're at the throne of grace. And your God, who is your father, who is the king, who has you in his heart and it wants to make available to you whatever you need according to his riches and glory. You're talking, you're having a discussion with the king of the universe, who is your father. Are you hearing me today, church? What happens is we feel alone, we feel isolated because we see ourselves in here. We see ourselves separated. We see ourselves like God is way out there. But when we pray, 
When we pray, it's almost like the room transforms and all of a sudden you're caught up into that throne room of grace. And no one can keep you out. No jailer, no prison door, no hospital room, not the fact that your body can't get out of bed. Your spirit and, and you and God can have conversation and declare great things and ask great things. And you are unlimited. You're only limited by the size of God. Are you understanding me today? See, I think that's what happened in the book of Acts when Paul and Silas were in prison and they began to praise and they began to worship and the Bible said there was a great earthquake. Here's what I believe. You don't have to believe what I believe. You're free to believe what you want to believe, but here's what I believe. I believe what happened was they began to pray, they began to worship, and what happened was the realm of God, because if you read in Revelation, where God's throne is, the angels are worshiping so loudly that the heavens rumble and the pillars of the house shake at their sound. What I think it, what happened was this, while they're praying and worshiping over here, the realm of God just invaded this realm because they just began to blend together and the earthquake wasn't God causing an earthquake, it was just the place where God is began to just blend into where these guys were praying and worshiping because they had entered into the throne room and the throne room began to overwhelm the natural realm. And that shaking that caused the earthquake was just the worship of heaven in the jail cell. Isn't that awesome? But that's what you need to see today. That's what I need to see today. Because when you're asking for things and you're believing for things, if you limit yourself by the size of your bedroom, if you limit yourself by the situation, the circumstances, you think, I'm just a desperate man praying for something in, in my house or in my apartment or in this hospital room, God wants you to see today the way he sees you, you're not praying at the side of your bed, you're praying at the throne of grace. The place, and what's the throne of grace? Church, you've gotta catch this. It's a throne and it's God's throne, the literal throne of God who rules the universe. Do we understand the place of undeserved privilege? How did we get here? How did we get here? We were set here. We were washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we pray, we can come boldly. The Bible doesn't limit that. It doesn't say once a week. It doesn't say once a year at the great Passover feast. It says when you need help. It means I can come into this throne room as often as I need it. And the Bible assures me I'm going to find grace to help in my time of need. The throne of grace. You're not in your hospital room. You're not in that bedroom. You're not in that prison cell. You step into the realm of God. You step into the throne room of God. Somebody give praise to God for that. But in approaching the throne now, in approaching the throne, let's talk about a couple things. In approaching the throne, you're approaching a king. You're approaching a king. In approaching a king, I do not approach the king to instruct him on how to meet my need. Could you imagine in like the kings of history walking into their throne rooms saying, hey, King George or King Louis or King whoever, I have this need. Here's how I think you ought to do it. The king is going to look at you and he's going to say, shush. Hopefully that's all he says. He could say off with your head, you know what I mean? But we forget sometimes. Let's, let's, let's think about this in the reality of the scripture. We're going into the throne of grace. We're going in with your need. A proper way to do this is if you would look through history, a, a, a citizen of a kingdom would come to their monarch and say, you know, there's marauders stealing my sheep or my field or something. You know, what are you going to do about it? And then the king would make a decree and decide how to solve that problem. Are you understanding this? 
We bring our need to the king. We bring our request to the king and we trust his wisdom on how to solve these things. Because we're going to the king. The king knows better than we do. The king has a perspective that we don't have. Are you understanding this church? We do not pray to instruct him or tell him how to accomplish our will. We are trusting our king. He's a good king. We approach, we make our needs known, and then we trust his wisdom. We trust his character, right? He's not an evil king. He's not a wicked king like kings of this world. And we trust his ability. How many of you know God has the ability to fix whatever it is you have need of? Raise your hand if you just know God has the ability, amen? Do you trust his character? Yeah, I do. Then let him figure out how to take care of this. Trust him to figure out how to meet that need, how to turn it around. I would actually hope that the king would not answer and say or do everything I think he should do. Let me say that another way. How silly would it be if I felt the king should do everything I wanted to do? I hope that he would say no when his wisdom saw things that I wasn't able to see. See, because he sits on a perspective higher than my perspective. His vision is higher than my vision. His ways are higher than my ways. And so I would hope he wouldn't do it the way I think he ought to do it if the way I want to do it isn't the best way to get it done. Amen. Just because you think it's the best way doesn't mean it's the best way. The king is looking from the whole perspective. He knows the timeline. He knows the whole landscape of things. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9. My thoughts, God says, are not like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is saying, I see things further and farther. I see things on a higher level than you see things. I've got thoughts that are even better than your thoughts. I have ways that are even better than the way you think this should happen. Can you trust me? Can you trust him? Amen, you can trust him. Ephesians 3.20 says it like this, now to him who by consequences of his actions and power that is at work within us, he is able to carry out his purpose, do super abundantly, say super abundantly, far over and above all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. When God gets involved and the king begins to fix things in his ways, they are super abundantly above. He has ways to answer and, and do things in our lives that we wouldn't even have dared asked. See, sometimes when I was growing up, that scripture about my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, people use that, I think, incorrectly in my life. I would have a question about something that happened that I thought was a negative thing. Somebody would pass away or something. And they would look at it almost like, well, God's ways are not our ways, so don't ask him any questions. Almost like it was the great sweep it under the rug verse. Are you understanding this? I don't believe that's what God was trying to say. I don't believe he was saying, stop asking me questions. I'm smarter than you. And I'm going to sweep everything you don't understand under this rug of my ways are not your ways. I believe this verse is really challenging us to say this. God knows how to do things and it's beyond how you think they should be done. He knows how to make things work out. He knows how to make his plan and his purposes and fulfill his promises. And, and they're going to come from ways that you wouldn't even have dared even thought. Sometimes, my friends, what you're asking for is too small. And if God answered your small prayer because that was as big as your faith could get, you would be left with less than the king had actually wanted you to have. Why do we always think God wants you to have less? In reality, God's trying to bring you more than you could ask, think, or imagine. And so when you trust his ways he's, and you trust his character and you trust his power because he's the king and he's smarter than you, you're trusting that he's going to do beyond what you could have done on your own. Don't think that you would prosper you greater than he can prosper your family and your life. Amen. 
That's good preaching. When you walk into the throne room, when you walk in to the presence of the king, we should increase, I want you to write this down, please, increase your expectations. Increase your expectations. You are coming to a king. Large expectations and requests are what we bring. You can almost make that into a song. You are coming to a king. Large expectations and requests are what we bring. We don't come as the poor or unwanted begging for scraps from his table. Are you hearing me, church? We are not sneaking through the back door of the throne room. You have been summoned there by the king as his very own children, joint heirs and citizens, and we go through the front door, Jesus who made the way, who is the door, who is the gate. Are you hearing me, church? You don't, you didn't put yourself in the throne room. You didn't sneak into the throne room. You're not crawling into the throne room begging for scraps. You were called into the throne room. You were summoned into the throne room. The way was made wide open through the blood of God himself. So you could be in the throne room and you're in the presence of a king. And what you request and what you ask speaks of your perspective of him. And if all you ask are for the crumbs and all you ask are for the scraps, that shows that you don't think he thinks very highly of taking care of you. That shows how you think he thinks about you. You understand God is not limited in supply. Where you're like, I don't wanna ask too much. Heaven is in a recession. No, it isn't. Please, sir, may I have some more? You can have as much as you need. Come on. How would your prayers change if you stopped seeing yourself as a religious person begging a deity for help and more like a citizen coming before their king with rights and privileges, constitution and bylaws? How would that change your prayer life? You're not a religious person begging your deity to see you or notice you or to help you. You are a son, say son. You are a daughter, say daughter. You're a joint heir, say joint heir. You are a citizen, a citizen under the laws of a kingdom and you in, that, in those constitution and bylaws are fully permitted and told to come into this throne room and ask for help in your time of need. You're not a religious person begging a deity. You're a citizen of a kingdom, a real kingdom, not a religion. This thing was never meant to be a religion. We called it that. You're in a system with laws and promises, legal rights and privileges. And you're meant to go into the throne of the universe to do business with God and bring his will into the earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our charge. That is our responsibility. Are you hearing me, church? That's why when God's people do not pray, do not go into the throne room and do business with God, the world suffers. Ask great things of your king. We do not come for pennies. We come to do business with God. Stop trying to just get your needs met and start changing and shaping the world and shaping your family and your future through your time of prayer with the king, your exchange with the king. Amen. Philippians 4.19, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious or according to his glorious riches, which he's given to us in Christ Jesus. He responds and dispenses according to his glorious riches. And God doesn't have scraps in heaven. Ask big. Asking big shows great faith. Write that down, please. Asking big shows great faith. It shows trust in his nature. You know, if you're asking big of the king, it shows that you believe you're allowed to ask big things of the king. 
And that you trust he's listening and he's hearing and he's willing. It shows trust in his nature, his character, and his ability. I'd rather get to heaven and hear God say that I ask too big or believe too much rather than saying you believe too small. What if you got to heaven one day and God said, man, you ask so little when you could have had so much. You know, when I look through the Old Testament, I never saw God rebuke Israel for too much faith. Do you? Can you remember a time that God looked at Israel and said, you ask too much. You want me to feed you in the desert? You ask too much. You need water to live? You ask too much. You need me to part the sea? You ask too much. I've never seen God rebuke anyone for too much faith. But I have seen him consistently rebuke us for too little faith. Come on. If I'm going to be guilty of something, it's going to be guilty of trusting God too much. Expecting too big. Asking for too great. But what does that speak of my heart towards God? That my God is able. That my God is willing. That he's my father and my father is the king. And nothing is impossible for my God. Amen. And so I go boldly into the throne room, which may look like my bedroom. Amen. Or my office here. Or your hospital room. Or even a jail cell. But I go boldly and I ask great things because I am in the presence of a great king. His unlimited power, unlimited resource, and has already demonstrated his great love for me. If he's already demonstrated how far he'll go to save me by coming in Jesus and laying down his life for me, how much more would he give me whatever else I may have need of? He's already given me his own blood. Are you understanding this, anybody? Come on now. It's the throne of grace. Also because the one who sits upon this throne is grace. He is grace. The one who sits on this throne. John chapter 1 verse 14 and 17. And the word became flesh dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. Do you understand this? It's who, it's who he is towards us. So we never have to wonder when we approach this throne, are we going to get angry God or are we going to get grace God? Because he's already shown us his character and his ways and he is full of grace and truth. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Grace sits upon this throne, this mercy seat. This seat is full of mercy because it's the one where the, the grace of God is seated upon that throne of grace. Amen. The one who sits on that throne also knows your weaknesses and your burdens also knows your mistakes and your sins. We talked about it in Hebrews when I first started. Hebrews chapter 4.15, it said, The high priest of ours, this Jesus, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same things that we face. Which means the one sitting on this throne that we're coming asking for help has already felt the things we're feeling. He's felt the burden of sin and the temptations that you suffer. He's felt the attacks and the onslaught of the devil. So when you're coming to him saying, God, the devil's on my case, the God on this throne, the grace on this throne, he felt what that feels like. He's not disconnected from the journey that you're on and the reason why you're asking for what you're asking for. He understands what's going on in your human side. The fears, the emotions, the anxiety. He understands those things. He was touched by each of those things himself. And he says, come, come, come to this throne of grace. Come to him. And the last thing I'll say about the king on that throne 
the grace that sits on that throne, who knows you, who knows me, is this. The king who sits on the throne of grace has bound himself to his word. He's bound himself to his word. If you go through the Old Testament and you see the kings of old, you'll see that when they made a decree of something, that they could not even change it themselves. You know, when Darius made a decree that no one could ask of anything between God or man for a certain period of time, or they'd be thrown into the lion's den, he didn't realize he was about to condemn Daniel to the lion's den. He was deceived into doing that. And when he was made aware that his decree was about to take Daniel's life, who he actually really appreciated Daniel. Daniel was one of his best wise counsels uh, in his kingdom. He could not even change his own word. Are you understanding this? When kings would make a decree, it was law. It was bound. They could not even change it. And I'm telling us today, reminding us today, that God has decreed some things. God has proclaimed and declared some things. The king of the universe who sits on that throne has spoken and declared and he has bound himself to his word just like any of the kings that we would talk about. He is bound to his word. Amen. God has bound himself to his word and has vowed to hear us when we pray. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask. There's other promises that God's given us about healing, about provision, about wisdom, about protection, about eternal life. He has bound himself to his word. The king has decreed things, given us great and precious promises. But I really wanted you to hear that he's decreed that he's going to hear you when you pray. Let me say it another way. It is, in, it is not possible for the king to ignore our prayers when we come boldly to his throne through the blood of Jesus. Do you hear what I said? Which means when you feel he didn't hear you, that's your feelings. It's not true. Because he bound himself as the king on the throne. He bound himself to his word that if you come through the blood of Jesus, you come to his throne of grace, you can ask and you can expect help. That's a decree from the king. It cannot be changed. Which means if I don't see circumstances changing right away, it doesn't matter because I trust his wisdom and I trust his ways and I trust his character and I trust his power. He's already working on my behalf. Even if I don't see things changing the moment I say the amen, things are changing. Because the king has bound himself to his word, which he cannot lie. He cannot go against his word. He cannot ignore me. He cannot ignore me. You say he's God, he can do anything. No, he bound himself. He cannot ignore you. He is hearing you. So when your brain says, is he hearing me? You need to answer your doubt with the word and say, yes, he's hearing me. He's hearing me. I may not feel it. I may not see it yet, but he has heard me. And now I worship him like he has heard me. I thank him and I praise him and I expect it to change because he has heard me. I'm not moved by what I feel. I know what the king has decreed and his laws are established throughout the universe. It is not possible for the king to ignore our prayers when we come boldly through the blood of Jesus. You may feel like he didn't hear you, but he is bound by his word. As the king who cannot lie, he hears you and he responds according to his will and responds according to his testament and responds according to his new covenant, which is your constitution and bylaws, your rights and your privileges. I pray today you have faith. You understand that you're not alone, that when you pray, you're transported into that throne room. You're not in that hospital bed. You're not in that bedroom. You're not isolated. You're not alone. You're not... You're not just underneath the pressure of all that stuff in this earth. You step into the throne room of God and the king 
is listening. And that king is your father. That king is for you, not against you. Don't come in and ask small things. Ask great and mighty things. Ask bigger, bigger things, things that God needs to come through on, and he will. He wants you to trust him. I'll say it again. God's never rebuked anyone for too much faith. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you to stand, and I'm going to move this thing up to the front here. I just kind of saw, Daniel, would you come up here for a minute? Help me move this up here. I'm going to open the altar up for a few minutes. And I'd like for you, if you feel led to do it, to move yourself out of your seat and come find a place at the altar. And I want you to see yourself stepping out of your problem and stepping into the throne room of grace. And just spend some time talking to God about whatever's on your mind. Come on. That's the altar call for right now. Come on. Whatever you're going through, I want you to see yourself stepping out of your problem and stepping into the throne room, stepping into the throne of grace where your father is seated. The grace of God is seated, willing. Pastor Sway, or not Pastor Sway, <laughs> you're not Pastor Sway. Go ahead and just play, that's fine. Just spend some time asking great and mighty things, putting your cares on the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, I thank you for these that have come. And Lord, as they cast their cares upon you, God, they bring it to the mercy seat of God. They bring it to the throne of grace. Lord, you said we would find help when we come. You said we would find your help, your thoughts, your ways, your power. And God, I'm asking you to meet these needs according to your riches and glory. I'm asking you to meet these needs according to your wisdom, according to your plan. God, we take our hands off the wheel. God, we take our hands off trying to control how you're gonna do it. But God, we give you our trust. We give you our expectation. And Lord, we just put our hands up and we just begin to worship you and thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the blood of Jesus by which we get to come. Not based on our own perfection, not based on our own works, but based on what you have done. God, I thank you that we have access to this throne room, that God, we step out of these situations and we step into a place of help. We step into a place of possibilities. We step into the place of the goodness of God. We don't stay in the valley. We don't stay in the pit. We don't stay in the prison. We step into the presence of God and we give you thanks for your goodness. We give you thanks for your love. We give you thanks for answering these prayers in Jesus' name. Church, if you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. Give a big amen in celebration to God. Amen. 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 Go ahead and stand, everybody stand up. We're gonna get ready to close here today. I'm gonna invite the altar teams to come up to the front. 
I wanna give an opportunity for those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior to receive him today. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages and penalty of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I wanna make sure today you've had an opportunity to call on Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Today, you may say, you know, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins, to be my God, my Lord and Savior. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Or maybe you say, I used to have a walk with God, but I walked away and I would like a restart. And if that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity today to do that. And so when I count to three, I'm just gonna simply ask you to raise your hand right where you are. And that's your acknowledgement to say, I'm calling on Jesus to save me for the first time or to bring me back into right relationship. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, let me just count to three and ask that question. If you need to get right with God today for any reason or another, when I count to three, just raise your hand and we'll pray for you right at your seat, ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up today? There's one hand, two hands, anybody else? Three, thank you. All right, let's pray together, would you please? No one, no one praying by themselves, let's all pray together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that he died for me. I thank you that he rose again. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those three? Welcome home, everybody. Praise God. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.